0: Yeah, and I think it's an important part of the recovery process, too, because you mentally decide to give up or do you keep going? I mean, I have plenty of legitimate reasons to give up doing this, but I really, I don't want to. And it it frustrates me that there are the physical limitations. So, of course, you know, the back injury, that's like two years ago now, and I'm still recovering from that.
1: Welcome to The Enrichment Project, Path to Purpose, recorded by the mad talent at Solid Gold Podcast. <laughs> It is a series of unfiltered and insightful conversations with some of the most remarkable purpose-driven human beings who have all achieved, created, inspired, triumphed, or challenged, and we have a great deal to learn from them. It is a quest to uncover and articulate the steps along the way to help you on your own journey of purpose. I am your host, Richard Wright, and I am delighted to have you with me Thank you for the gift of your time. Let's dive straight in. Welcome back to the second episode with Shannon Wilde. There was just so much in the first one that we decided to do it into two halves. Um, Shannon will tell you she talks too much, and I'm going to tell you she doesn't actually. It's a story that needs to be told, and she can speak as much as she needs to. So, Shannon, welcome back, and to you, the listener, welcome back to the second of an extremely enthralling and exciting story of somebody's tremendous purpose and drive and obsession. Welcome back.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening for so long. Oh
1: man, I could listen forever. Um, In fact, in between the two, I said to Shannon, I'm coming to visit. I just, I I need to actually just have some more of this. This is amazing. So when Russ is back, Deborah and I are coming to visit.
0: (laughs) Amazing. You're welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Um, I've seen what your garden looks like. In fact, can you tell the listeners what your (sighs) garden looks like?
0: Uh, It is a beautiful natural South African bush uh, full of giraffe. And we had baboon late yesterday. Uh, zebra lots of different antelope species uh warthogs wow amazing i still pinch myself because uh, my bedroom in particular has a balcony and then i look out onto a waterhole so that's you know where everything comes and congregates so
1: you are living the dream
0: very very fortunate let's
1: be honest you've 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 paid the price (laughs) you've earned it (laughs) you really have if anybody's earned that you have
0: it's been a long time coming for sure First stable uh, location in seven years, I think, six. Yeah.
1: First stable. Okay. So, <laughs> so when I first met you, you were staying in hood spread, I think, but you just, just it was the temporary sort of arrangement. And even at that time, I remember, and I mean, you were a the thing then. Shannon Wilde was a thing. Russ was a thing. huge following extremely amazing work you've been booked by national geographic you've done these shoots but still you're on edge thinking is the work going to come in you're you're pitching for a couple of things and always it's always that huh
0: yeah i mean the nature of freelance
1: It's what it is so we're going to talk a little bit later about how you've managed to scale um your passion and your obsession into something that does have some passive income because that's really the trick but before we get there I will never forget pictures of you and scars (laughs) and what was that? The the first shoulder damage, what was that from? There was a cheetah thing and then there's Uh, shoulder damage.
0: uh, So the first one, yes, was uh, 11 months after I moved here to South Africa. Uh, I was mauled by a cheetah on my left arm, which I'm left-handed. So that was not convenient. Um, (sighs) But yes, it was completely my fault and a lesson learned. So the cheetah is just behaving naturally as she should. And I was being, you know, complacent. Yeah. So it was, it was a controlled situation and it wasn't uh, something that the general public or tourists can have access to, for example. Uh, But of course, uh, Russ and I being in this industry can sometimes have access to rescued and rehabilitated animals and animals that wouldn't, you wouldn't normally be able to get close to and yeah i (laughs) made a mistake and crouched down when i shouldn't have and uh, she was behind me and she just took her opportunity and did a a full kill bite uh thinking she had my throat so she was suffocating me but (sighs) she happened to get my upper arm because i'd actually uh, was taking a photo and my ear went to my shoulder, protected my neck and the angle she came in at, she thought that's where my throat should be. So I wouldn't be able to talk so much if that happened. i <laughs> <laughs> really grateful. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow. She's not every day you get to talk to somebody who's got mould with a cheetah, you know? Ugh, you like-
0: so that was, yeah. Oh. A lot of, uh, I mean, she, she did a, her, full force. uh, And she was on there for about 20 seconds. And I actually didn't make a sound. I just, adrenaline kicked in immediately. So there was no pain at the beginning. And I just relaxed into it because she was way too, she was on my back. So I have um, like claw scars down my right side where she'd pinned me down. And her face was basically buried into my underarm. And it was all like everything went into slow motion and i yeah i couldn't actually do anything in that situation and i knew people were around me so i kind of just sat into it didn't fight her and waited for someone to to do something (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean if i was alone obviously (laughs) yeah and russ filmed it i mean there's footage of the whole thing (sighs) and he thought because i didn't yell or scream or do anything he thought she was just playing and that she wasn't actually like, yeah, so cute. <laughs> cool, so cuddly. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and then once he realized, of course, the, the camera just, you know, it's just shooting ground and he came in and, wow. and uh, gave so... her a poke and she let go and then she went for me two more times as I went to get on a vehicle. So, <sighs> and then I went into shock and and all the fun stuff of, you know, still nerve damage and a little bit of limited movement wow. today, but... Very fortunate, I mean yeah. just sucks that it was my left hand, yeah. and i couldn 't uh, use my camera for about three months after that
1: so we 're going to talk a little bit later about the cost because every passion every every <laughs> purpose. There's a cost that you have to pay. Yeah. Everything in life. Nothing comes Hopefully without a cost.
0: Hopefully not this expensive for most
1: people. <sighs> one would like to think.
0: <laughs> but I mean, let's be honest,
1: there are people that lose businesses, um, you know, and that's a massive cost. There are people yes. that, that um, you know, do extreme sports and extreme things and, and you know, there's lots of loss, but there's been a huge amount for you as well. So I want to move to the next one, if you wouldn't mind. So... So there's lots in between, and there's tons and tons that we could chat about for for years, probably, Um, (laughs) which is great. But I want to get into um, that shoot in India. Tell me why you went to India.
0: Yes. So uh, Russ and I were looking through social media, and we found the most beautiful, unique cat. So a melanistic leopard, a.k.a. a black panther. And it was this beautiful photo by a really talented photographer called Shaz Jung in India. And we both agreed we needed to film a documentary on this cat. So, you know, a black panther has never been documented professionally in the oh, wild, wow. how it, how it survives and lives. So we put together a, a show, like a, a documentary idea, took it to National Geographic and got it greenlit and off we went to India to find this cat and discover how incredibly difficult <laughs> that find. was going to be. So can, can
1: I just two things I want to <laughs> ask before just for us mere mortals who you know live in our houses and never get to go and do documentaries and <laughs> rare cats. So firstly um, from a how rare are they? I mean how many are they? Do you have any idea or, or how rare is this animal?
0: I mean I don't think we really know because A, it's a leopard, so they're elusive anyway. But this, you know, a lot of things have to come together. But there's talk that in India, it's maybe one in 10, which is is seemingly quite high, but it depends on where it is. Like in this forest that we filmed in, he's the only one in this massive forest. But if you go a bit further north in India, we know there's another one which almost looks halfway between melanistic and not it's a very unique looking cat yeah whereas uh there are parts of southeast asia where you know for genetic reasons i won't go into but there it's very popular in this certain region and then you come to africa and it is incredibly rare so we've had one sighting in the last hundred years um
1: wow i I didn't even know that that existed in africa Yeah.
0: yeah uh there was one sighted maybe 18 months ago in kenya Okay. Yeah, so there's regional factors to it for yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm. Okay,
1: so so this is well worth doing. It's never been done before. Great. Yeah. Second question I want to ask you is, so now National Geographic gives you the green light and they say off you go, and this is a long term project, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, this kind of subject, it's not. Let's you know go into the field for three months and and bang it out. <laughs> you know, just finding him on top of that the the forest is very very dense so it's incredibly difficult to work in and we need to be able to film enough to show you know it's one thing to find him in the first place and then it's another thing to film him, but it's also then another layer to film him doing something interesting enough doing to make a compelling yeah, documentary. For sure, we, so, do, we don't want
1: to see him just walking past every time. There he I goes know. Again. And
0: there was there was a lot of sitting sitting in trees, and yeah, that was, wow. <laughs> yeah, doing nothing, sleeping.
1: You've made it this far probably because the topic resonated with you. If you're wondering what the show is all about, listen to the trailer at the start of the season and find out how this show is going to help you along your own path to purpose. You've stumbled on a project that is all about purpose. Find out why the guests are all so vastly different, but yet all have so much in common. Hop on board this journey with me, follow the Enrichment Project so that you don't miss out on a single episode and share it with, well, everyone. We are all looking for more meaning in our lives. If the show speaks to your identity or the identity of your brand, consider sponsoring a season. Let's make the circle bigger. Back to the episode and thanks for listening. From a funding point of view, does it come in installments or, or yes. how does that work?
0: Yes, it comes in installments. So, I mean, National Geographic will determine a budget And unfortunately, it's never enough. (laughs) It's very, very tight. Um, And we were there for 18 months. So a lot of that budget goes to filming permits that we pay daily for the privilege of being in a national park and, you know, filming. So that goes to the government. Yeah. um so that's where most of our money goes
1: okay so now you said something there which isn't entirely true so i'm gonna have to call you up on that you said that we were there for 18 months well we were not (laughs) there for 18 months
0: (laughs) there might have been a period that i had to leave (laughs) exactly
1: so what happened tell us what happened
0: that day so i mean it was i think it was i always default to six months but i think it was actually five months into production I managed to break my back in two places while out in the field filming, so.
1: How did that happen, Shannon?
0: So, I'm in the back of this vehicle, which essentially I'm on a uh, an open, uh, like a utility vehicle. I'm on a bench seat. My gear is bolted into the vehicle and I work it um, from there. And then, of course, there's a driver, which is, uh, and a, um, a, an official, a park official. And so we are, our days are constantly going around this forest and looking for signs, listening for signs and hoping to find the panther. So we got word that there was a sighting. So Russ and I would split up into two vehicles and hedge our bets in this forest. So we had word of a sighting. So my very excited driver started speeding towards that direction. Yes. <laughs> and yeah he didn't see a bump in the road where obviously it's dirt roads and national park and it's a very thin dirt road so we hit this bump at speed and i just went flying um came down very very hard and i knew immediately that something was very very wrong but to be honest i didn't think it was that bad so we i'd gone into the the forest um that afternoon so we would generally either stay out all day or do it in two chunks uh, where we would have to go back and charge up camera batteries okay. maybe uh dump footage off a card to clear it for space so I'd come back in and so then we're in there for quite a few hours so yeah that was not great I I did that and then managed to finish that afternoon which was still a few more hours in The bumpy vehicle missed the Panther siding, unfortunately, because you know when that happened, we had to stop for a second (laughs) because I'm just cradling. uh, So it's thoracic between my shoulder blades, and I was cradling my back, and um, basically, this is not good. But but fortunately, did a lot of nerve damage and damage to discs, bulging discs, and all the fun stuff. So,
1: but fortunately, your equipment was bolted into the vehicle; it was fine.
0: Yes, the so, equipment was perfect. I'm oh, okay with that. Oh, Ready fantastic. to go to back to work.
1: When <laughs> uh, I asked you that before, it was like, you know, but thank goodness, you know, it, it was just me, the equipment. I was like,
0: That's, hold yep, on, I think I'd rather whole... lose
1: the equipment than break my back. But, you no. know, I, I know it's my that livelihood. Was my whole right?
0: livelihood right uh, there. And I was can replace I think we that. Were still paying it off. So, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Oh, I mean, like a lot of money in that camera. So,
1: And your medical bills?
0: A lot Uh, of money. Well, thankfully, you know, uh, we have insurance. So I didn't have to worry about that. And your equipment is not insured? Yes. Uh Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm
1: just going back to the circle of like in the first episode this, this reckless Shannon who's like kind of, uh, uh, priorities priorities and that's exactly what it is and that's what I love about you and your purpose is that you have your priorities sorted this is the yeah. thing that comes first it's this I don't, you can't separate it to you cannot take the wild out of Shannon which is Shannon wild and I love that that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so broken back.
0: Registered trademark.
1: There <laughs> we go. There's a tattoo on the arm registered trademark, Shannon Wild. Tell me now, your your back is broken. Yeah. So what now?
0: Well, I had to convince a, a neurologist that there was something wrong because when I did the hour and a half bumpy drive to the nearest hospital, he didn't even look at my back, made a joke about overdoing it on yoga, and then sent me away. <laughs> so-
1: i took another week (laughs) and it got
0: worse and worse and worse i know it's you know and i also am thinking yeah it's probably just gonna a few days it'll be fine No, it was it's definitely got worse in a few days and the swelling and all the the fun stuff so uh, i i had to go back to hospital obviously and then we did the whole mri thing and whatnot
1: isn't it true that you, you want it to be okay? Because you've come this yeah, far. Exactly. This, this thing that you're doing is so important to you and you just can't actually believe. It. It's that proper denial that you can't believe that this is it now. So so yeah. I had, not not nearly the same, but I had a similar-ish experience. A race I did with stage four brain cancer it was a half man. And coming out of the water, I got tumbled by a wave and I just I dissecated my shoulder. And I was determined that this wasn't going to be the end of my race. No, I was determined. Oh and the doctor said, no, 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 it's, it's, it's dissecated, it's done. And in the struggle oh to try and get my wetsuit off and have a look, uh, it, we managed to just somehow just pop back in. And so oh after a while, gosh. I was like, just give me some painkillers and I'm going to be on my way. And he's like, no, you, 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 your race is done. I managed to persuade him. He wouldn't give me any painkillers. because though. It is yeah. mental. I finished that Iron Man, got the medal, That's amazing. and then similar to you,
0: amazing. Like,
1: no, but wait, it's like it's just dislocated. It's dislocated. Come on, Rich, you know, how bad can this be? And I'm back into sleep, and I can't lift my arm up, and it, it's dislocated. I made an appointment with a surgeon just to. I'm worried now. About a month later, and then I cancelled oh it because it's, dude, you don't be, you don't be a wimp. You know, come on, you're an Iron Man. Mm. And mm-hmm. then I made another appointment, and we found out that the whole top of the humerus was gone. It was a broken shoulder, and I managed to get through the Iron Man. So same oh thing. It's like, but, but the sense of it means so much to me to get to the finish yes. line that I'll, I'll get through anything I possibly need to. And I know yes. your story, is, it's way more wild than that, but it's the concept is when we want something so badly, we prepare yeah, to endure definitely. anything. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, that's even you I... continuing to film that day and, and wanting to go back into the field and just, no, I don't want to accept that this is what my reality is.
0: Yeah. And I think it's an important part of the recovery process too, because you, I think you mentally decide to give up or do you keep going? I mean, I have plenty of legitimate reasons to give up, uh, doing this, but I really, I don't want to. And it, it frustrates me that there are the physical limitations. So of course, you know, the back injury, that's like two years ago now. And I'm still recovering from that.
1: Okay, so I'm going to stop you there, though, because, because yeah. we, we, skipped some, we skipped some stuff here. So you were out of the field for, what, about six months, right?
0: Nine months, yeah.
1: Nine months. And then you decided to go back. <laughs> then I went back, yeah. Were you I mean, 100% healed? Yeah.
0: I had made good progress up until that point. So <laughs> you I'd been know. on…
1: <laughs> were you 100%? <laughs> I I'd I'd made a... good progress. No, I mean, I
0: definitely wasn't 100%. Yeah. I was getting physio three times a week. I'd been on a lot of painkillers too, like too many, but I'd managed to get myself off them. And so I thought, you know,
1: opioids or
0: yeah. Opioids. Yeah. A lot. I mean, and, and still in agony and agony. um, and also psychological to get off those and really focus on other methods of pain relief and, I managed to get to a point where I wasn't on uh, the opioids anymore, but I was at a point where I, the pain was obviously still there, but I felt like it was something I could manage day to day in terms of I could handle it going along. And I think, you know, I have a very high pain threshold now. Clearly. There's been a lot of, <laughs> a lot of experience with pain coming up to this point. So And,
1: and cannabis, did you try, did you try that at all?
0: Uh so C B D as opposed to Yeah,
1: yeah. Cannabis oil. THC. Yeah. yes.
0: Okay. Yes. So the good I, um, stuff. apparently, yes. <laughs> I probably I mean, I still have a lot of pain and it comes and goes. Oh. So, like, for example, my shoulder is very locked up right now. So it the pain traveled up and it became very oh. muscular and nerve related in my neck. So I've had, you know, nerve block injections and all different things. And uh I have nerve pain down to my fingers and my left hand You're so that yeah something i have to sort of manage now so i was doing pretty well and i feel like maybe similar to where i'm at now ish okay. i'm not on painkillers now and so, so i thought, thought okay, Ru- russ is
1: having so much fun he's getting this great footage
0: i'm going yeah. back uh, exactly i was so jealous because you know he he's out there and it's a once in a lifetime situation truly and uh, you know yeah i thought i was doing good we're coming to the end of the production i got back out there and suddenly realized on the first drive how incredibly bumpy (laughs) the roads in that forest are and was straight back on the painkillers from day one (laughs) so yeah unfortunately i mean i couldn't there'd be no way i could function otherwise it was horrific so
1: and you put yourself in a worse place
0: yeah so it so that's when it very much then traveled up into the neck area so from from being very thoracic focused and having issues of muscles locked in it then sort of traveled up into the neck shoulder and then that's when i started getting i had the nerve damage in the neck and down into the uh fingers yeah so that's not great i got really great footage though (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so I was I wasn't waiting for them. I got
0: panther mating in a tree and yeah. <laughs> I damaged my
1: back. I completely messed my back up, you know. I, I, had, I had permanent damage. I got great footage.
0: Wow, yeah. it was amazing. Panther mating. It took another year to get off the painkillers.
1: Yeah. Wow. You see, this is, this is the stuff. <sighs> it just, and I can see you light up. You just light up with this.
0: Yeah, uh, I look, mean. Look, look, just look. It's a black panther. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I really it just I get goose I get goosebumps. It's just it's the most amazing thing to be in the presence of somebody um who is so <laughs> completely obsessed in it, in love with what they do. And the best part for me is that you can earn a living doing it and you you, you know, yeah. and, and then so now, okay, so now we're back from that and um I know that part of your journey and I don't wanna spoil too much of this for the for the episode we're gonna do with Russ and you because that's gonna be super cool mm. as it is. But It's then how do we earn a passive income? Because now two years literally out of the field, um, I know you went on a speaking tour and that's that's something on its own. You're very much like me. Unless you are behind a camera or unless Russ is behind a camera, you aren't actually earning any money, right? Yeah. So how do we scale that?
0: So we definitely have to diversify to, you know, we don't want to be reliant on one revenue stream in something that's you know so tricky and of course given the current times and certain travel restrictions and access that really throws a spanner in the works so you know there's been little opportunities over the years that i've taken advantage of and you know gone in knowing very specifically that i want to set up uh, passive incomes because even without injury this is a very physical job so I'm aware that I won't be able to do it forever or certainly not at the volume that I had been. So,
1: And certainly not in the inaccessible locations that you've been going to.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, some crazy, amazing places for yeah. sure. Yeah, and uh, especially now with the back and sleeping on the ground in tents is not awesome. Not great. No. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, things to diversify, I have a few things but my focus uh, right now that I've been able to spend time on not being in the field is uh, a jewelry line that I started with a very uh, wildlife and conservation focus. So it, it became twofold for me and the actual motivation initially was I wasn't in the field so I felt like I wasn't contributing and Making giving a back to yeah wildlife. And conservation and i'd met so many amazing people and organizations over the preceding years that as a filmmaker and photographer i get to connect with and see their incredible work and through my work i get to share that with a greater audience so take that away for a while and i felt like i needed another outlet to actually do that while i couldn't be there uh, in a documentary sense so it coincided with when I was very ill and couldn't physically do stuff, but I had mental clarity again, and so I needed a creative outlet because that creative side, I needed strong, to fulfill that. For sure. Yeah, somehow. So I was very frustrated, um, and I, I mean, I was climbing the walls. I was needing to do something, and I'm the kind of personality I need to be productive. I need to feel like I'm contributing to this world in a positive way to kind of earn my place. Like that is what oh, fulfills me. So
1: that's a big statement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I and love it's, that. it's 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 twofolded as well because, you know, that obviously comes with you can't place your value in only in what you're doing and producing. You obviously have value as a person, but I'm very driven by that, by creating things and and contributing somehow so that's definitely what makes me happy
1: okay so so i've had a good look and deborah my partner has uh, she flips through your the instagram account for uh, just just give us the exact um the uh, the, the account
0: yeah so it's wild in africa is the business name uh, but on instagram you'll find it as shannon wild jewelry
1: shannon wild jewelry right any underscores yep. anywhere No, just that. Okay, (laughs) so 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 Deborah spent a lot of time there, and and for those of you listening and watching, you need to get there and go and have a look. It is extremely, extremely well made. Every single piece, every every bracelet note is phenomenal. Is different stones and put together differently. You can get the the you can get the Shannon stack. I think it's called.
0: Yeah, the Shannon yeah. Wild stack, which there we go. represents different continents that I've worked on as a, a filmmaker. And so I've chosen stones that I feel are either from that region or represent that region. Yeah. yeah the, I mean, there's so many beautiful stones out there. I, I'm a little bit obsessed with stones. If I go to different parts of the world, then I generally will collect, uh, you know, things. I mean, even if it's a, a Basic stone that has a line through it or something. There's some beautiful ones out there. So, yeah. um
1: I, I think I think we can safely say that you are pretty obsessive as yes. a person. Just I think we so, can safely. So the cool thing for Russ is you, <laughs> Yeah, we can. So the cool thing for Russ is that means that you're equally obsessed about him, and isn't that just amazing? <laughs> so, so, so
0: he he would like to think so. Some so. Of those, <laughs> yes.
1: I, I think you can yes. safely make that assumption. <laughs> so, so just just before we move on, so and I like what you've done is that there's an individual piece that represents a project or a a NGO yes. or something, and so and and whatever. So some of the profit from that would go towards that thing, um,
0: and I really love that. To make it clear, uh, I w- I wanted to be extremely transparent about that part of it because you know you can say a certain percentage of profit and there's it's very hard for people to know how much that actually is and it's very easy for a business to make sure that is the minimum so we actually donate 50 percent of the purchase price done so okay yeah very very transparent very clear so i've designed certain bracelets for different charities and they're only charities that i have personally worked with I know them. I've seen their work in the field. Um, yep, so I 100% stand behind them and their work. And, yeah, so someone can go onto the website, buy it, and they know exactly how much, and it's a significant amount. And then within uh, the half that uh, I get we, is what we use to produce the bracelet um, and all the marketing and associated costs of Yeah trying to run an e-commerce business.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I think I think you're allowed to earn an income <laughs> Well, hopefully um, so, at some
0: point we will. <laughs>
1: You will. So, so one of the questions I asked you when we were chatting just to set this interview up or this, this conversation up, um, and that was, so please tell me, after all of this, after you know, building something up in Australia, then leaving that moving, starting from scratch, these two years that came with pain and suffering and ulcers and, and parasites and broken backs, and please tell me that at this point in time, you're earning well off this thing. <laughs> and I, you don't have to say thing. I'm going to tell them. It's like, Oh, finally, kind of. But, you know, any, any money we've earned, we've put straight back in. Yes, it's, we've built we bought equipment. Exactly.
0: So it's very much being reinvested.
1: And that's also part of the passive income. So right. I know right now that Russ is in the field. You've got three productions, and he's sort of flitting between the three, and that you've got camera uh, equipment that people can hire or yes. use. So that's the scaling as well, which is yeah. amazing. That really I mean, to be
0: honest, lot. we got so used to not having any money at the beginning that when it started to come in, uh, you know reinvesting it made sense long term and we're kind of use, used to it's being It's hard to broken. do though
1: because yeah, after so long you kind of I just right. want to break I want it just to be a little Definitely. bit easier but what I also dig right now is that I mean you hinted on this I think the last episode where you said that for the first time in seven years you actually have roots you have a home a place that you can call home yeah. you have things you've got a cat um, that's really that's that's actually pretty cool yeah. that you've you know and I'm sure that must take its toll as well. And we'll talk about that in the in the next episode yeah. as well. But it must take a toll that you're on the road and you, you know, I guess it's nice to be free of things and yeah, stuff. Yeah, Definitely. But At the same time, that feeling of a home is, is good.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a big adjustment at the beginning. And I feel like it took me the first couple of years to really get comfortable with not having a schedule or a plan. Things changing last minute. All of a sudden we're going to this country or that country. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to be next week, you know, where I'm going to be sleeping or what's happening. And I I like to be in control. I know that's my personality type. So that was a huge adjustment for me, not being able to control every aspect. But then, of course, that's part of the fun of it as well. It's like it's constantly dynamic. It's not, it's not ever boring. And so that took a lot of getting used to. And then – after a while you get used to that as a lifestyle and then if i was back in one place for a certain amount of time i'd start to get restless so i think you know we're very adaptable um but i am thoroughly enjoying having a base at least that is familiar so if we come and go you know i did the the speaking tour at the beginning of the year i come back and am able to you know there's home Um,
1: unfortunately with it all happens so Fortuitously with COVID and the lockdown and actually having a home to go to. I mean that's amazing. So that
0: Yes, thank goodness we just got in there. <laughs>
1: so the the two questions I have left for you for now. And the first one is no children. Yeah. Tell me about that.
0: Active choice.
1: Active choice. I think a good choice. Yes. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And I guess I, I mean, in some ways it's a sacrifice, in <laughs> other ways it really isn't. It, it's a uh, if I if, if imagine you know, are yeah, traveling around the world that
0: has never never been something uh for me or a motivation for me. So I came to terms quite early on that that was not the path I wanted to go down. And as I've got older, the conviction of that has just been stronger. Really? So, you know, I don't really see it as something that I sacrifice for this lifestyle because the desire yeah, wasn't
1: they, there in the beginning so i, I, I admire that and i, I know in, in a world in 2020 you'd think we would be quite far advanced right now and we would allow people to get out of this mold in the box that we place them in but it's still it's still would you believe it a relatively... i know
0: i know people are like what? yeah why yeah yeah so no it's a
1: good decision and it certainly wouldn't the fit animals
0: in. are my baby there we go there we go that's <laughs> yeah. what it is
1: and then and then the final question for now um, is so, so you, somebody who has followed your passions and obsessions and you've, you've traced your journey and it's been a remarkable journey of hardship and joys and triumphs and talent unraveling and creativity and uh, just phenomenal. But that, that golden thread that runs all the way through is your absolute love for the wild and what you do and capturing that and giving back. Yeah. To somebody who's out there who's feeling a little bit purposeless or they haven't quite found that yet or they're batting into to even understand what this thing called purpose is what, what would you have to say mm. to them
0: uh, i think it's easy to get wrapped up in having to label it or rush into finding what that is but if i look back on my life and career it happened very naturally i had a completely different career in, in graphic design, and I feel like people should know it's not too late to change the course of your life. Sure. Like, don't feel like, okay, well, I've, I've locked into this. I have to, that's what I have to do forever now. And that's not the case. Um, you know, even at my age, I am still excited about what the future holds, and I can't even possibly imagine, but I know it will, there's still going to be some level of variety into that. It will come no back doubt. to, maybe this lifestyle it might be it's definitely going to be wildlife or animal related but you know ever evolving if for whatever reason you know the back prevents me from being back into the field permanently there are other avenues I'll be able to evolve that can still ignite my passion of wildlife and giving back and contributing to conservation and being around animals I
1: think you've you've aptly. demonstrated that already in your short life, li- lifetime. Um, so I, I, I lied. I'm going to chuck one more. I'm going to throw one more question in. <laughs> and this is, <laughs> sure. this is a cool one. So put us forward into, into Shannon's not here anymore. And somebody is standing up and is celebrating your life. What would you most want to be celebrated for? The, the impact, the mark that you leave in this planet, what would you, what would you most want to be celebrated for?
0: Uh, I definitely would hope that it's a positive contribution of bringing awareness of this beautiful natural world to a greater audience. I think that's the ultimate goal. Um, From a selfish perspective, I get to go out and do these amazing things of documenting beautiful wild animals in unique locations, but I could go out and do those things and not have to take photos or film and and share that with people i could still have the the experience of it which is incredible i couldn't imagine not sharing that with as many people as possible because i want them to feel even just a tiny uh, level of the uh, happiness and excitement that i get out of the natural world because that's truly it's true beauty
1: So uh, that's the perfect answer for me. And in exactly the same way, Shannon Wild, I get to do the same thing. I get to to share in your experiences where it's not just a conversation between you and me. It's a conversation we have with a whole lot of listeners in a way that I hope you listening to this have been able to take something from Shannon's story that's going to impact and enrich your life and help you along your path to purpose. So thank you for giving me that opportunity for the selfish, but I get it from, from being that person who's able to do that. <laughs> um, for your time, for your story, just absolutely remarkable. And, and please go and follow Shannon Wilde on Instagram. Go and get some of that jewelry and share in her passion for sharing. But I know the photographs they do, they're, listed, they're extremely evocative. They make you feel like you were there. And what a talent. So thank you so, so much for your time, Shannon.
0: Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure.
1: Cheers. <sighs> Thank you for staying right to the end of the episode and for joining me on the Enrichment Project. Before you go, please share this episode with your friends and your colleagues. They will thank you, I'm sure. Remember that you can catch each Path to Purpose episode by watching on YouTube or, if you prefer, on your favorite podcast app. The link to my book, The Power of Purpose, is in the show notes. Please go and check it out. It's a rad account of my own story of purpose and resilience and my fight against brain cancer. I finished six full Ironman events, a number of multi-stage mountain bike races, nine Ironman 70.3 races, including the Ironman World Championships, and a bunch of other endurance events, all with stage 4 brain cancer, because I wanted it that badly and getting to the finish line meant that much to me. As a professional inspirational speaker, business and life coach, author and storyteller, I'd love to add more value to you or your organization. Please find more details on my website iamrichardwright.com and book me today for a live or virtual keynote, a masterclass, workshop or coaching session or please follow my journey on Facebook I am Richard Wright. Twitter, the Wright Rich. Instagram, I am Richard Wright. Or on LinkedIn. I'd love the opportunity to enrich your team. Thank you to the professional crew at Solid Gold Podcasts for the support, the talent, and the mad skills. And to Anna Hick for her creativity and genius video magic. Thank you. You all rock.